It's me, Spongebob! Here's a message for you. Hi! This episode is brought to you by Desert Skies. Desert Skies is a funny, pensive, and genuinely interesting audio drama that takes place in the Desert Skies Astral Plane Fuel and Service Station. The staff of Desert Skies fix cars and get snacks for travellers on their final astral journey, the journey from this life to the next. We listened to episode one this week and really enjoyed it. The concept is really fun and well-written, and the end of the episode has a real emotional punch to it. The first full season of Desert Skies is out now, and the next season is currently in production, so it's the perfect time to listen. Interested? Listen to the end of today's episode to hear the trailer for Desert Skies. Or find Desert Skies anywhere you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Desert Skies for their support. Microbytes, a We Fix Space Junk miniseries. Episode 4, Killer Queens. So uh, this is what we got. Okay. Yeah, rolling. Sound speed. Killer Queens documentary. Day one. Take five. And action. Is this really necessary? It humanizes us. I feel like saving everyone from the giant killer robots humanized us. Should I... Uh, Keep rolling. Keep rolling. Okay. So the robots. Let's talk about those. Could you tell us how you managed to achieve your victory over them? Many had tried and failed, and they were rapidly becoming more deadly. I mean, it's a matter of public record. Of course, but they want to hear it from us. Fine. Right. So, we managed to steal a toolbox from some mysterious visitors who came to visit Barbod. Walter. It was complex, but I figured out enough from my previous study of the robots and the clues that I had gathered from the toolbox that there was a way to alter their behavior. Because they weren't really thinking killers, just machines following an etiquette. See, that's something I know the public have had some trouble with in the time since. That the robots weren't acting of their own volition. Could you tell us a bit more about it? So they weren't a big invading force. They weren't here to destroy us. They certainly looked like they were. But it was all a trick. They were all here to make Walter look like a big hero. They were just here to stroke his ego and make him feel important. And how do you react to the public outcry of your sparing of Walter? I thought this was a fluff piece. That wasn't on our list of approved questions. Hey, we're on your side. Come on, I'm just curious. We'll keep the cameras rolling. You can decide whether to cut the footage afterwards. Why did you decide not to execute Walter? Walter was 
a sad, lonely little man with a literal god complex. He is being punished. He just wasn't executed. He still, for some reason, has his loyalists. An admittedly tiny band who seem to think he's been set up. We weren't going to risk turning him into a martyr. So now he works as a cleaner and gardener and general handyman. Although he has expressed an interest in studying accountancy. And your decision to resolve the war in a non-violent manner? If you had the ability to avoid bloodshed, wouldn't you? Well, there are some that say that as female leaders... Excuse me? Some people. I, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily count myself among their number, but some people have been saying that we've swung too far from the masculine to the feminine. That your actions we've have... gone from a fake feudal system controlled by a fraudster to a world in recovery. And what do you mean by too feminine? Well, there are those who have argued that anyone who is amongst Walter's loyalists deserves... Up until we escaped, we were Walter's loyalists. We were all terrified, and he took advantage of that. Yes, there are a few people who have chosen to retain their position. But I don't think that terrified people following the only thing that seems capable of saving them deserves the punishment you seem to think it does. All right, then. Okay. Uh... What's it like being two queens? Uh... Lots of decorating challenges in your new castle? And the clothing you're wearing is, How uh... about I redecorate Okay, back to the topic of the robots, I think. Daphne, if you could just put that... There we go. Those cups are delicate, and we don't want to break any more of them. I'm sorry, I'm just... He's not exactly taking things seriously. Why don't we discuss our plans for the future? Daphne, honey? Right. So, we've discovered that using the components from the robots, we can actually create some technology far more advanced than what we were capable of before. We've put them to work in agriculture, plowing fields, while the workforces focus on rebuilding, with more of the machines aiding with the transport of building materials, which means we're building at record speed. We've obviously had setbacks, seeing as Walter destroyed most of our infrastructure, but I think that we'll be reaching our previous level of technology this year. And then when that's sorted... Perhaps we'll look outwards. Perhaps we'll look at taking revenge. Revenge? Well, on close examination, we found a maker's mark. The manufacturers of the machines that wrecked our planet. So, whoever or whatever Automnicon is... We'll be coming for it eventually. Cut the last part. Air the rest. In the fourth episode of Microbytes, a Wii Fix Space Junk miniseries, Flora was played by Jordan Cobb, Daphne was played by Julia Schifini, the interviewer was played by Chris Montague, and the director was played by Headley Knights. The programme was written by Beth Crane and produced by Headley Knights for Battlebird Productions. This season is dedicated to all of our patrons, and this episode in particular is dedicated to Michael Beckwith. Visit battlebird.productions to support the show or buy merch from our store. In next week's Microbyte, Fringo takes on his next Automicon mission and it may be his hardest yet.
Where am I? Welcome to Desert Skies, Traveler. Your journey through the physical plane has come to an end. I am the attendant. My colleague here is the mechanic. Yo. This is your last stop on your way to the great beyond. It's our job to make sure you're prepared for the ride. Now, before hitting the road, we have an impressive selection of over 34 varieties of microwavable burritos. Um, what, what, what's going on? There's gotta be a better afterlife than this. I mean, come on! Uh, that's offensive. Something seems to be wrong with me. You left something major undone. I have a life outside of this gas station, you know. You quite literally do not. Any hobbies? Nope. Ever travel? Nope. Love interests? Are you kidding? Oh my god. You're like the human version of a plain bagel. Cash register. How can I help you, attendant? Play some music? You got it. It's kind of funny, though. What I needed wasn't back there. It was here, waiting for me. I wonder what it feels like, Mac, to miss the physical plane, the people you left behind. You know, I had a wife who died three years ago. Wish I could go back. No, you don't need to go back. You just need to be here. And a new traveler approaches. Ready, team? Ready. Good. Let's do this. Find Desert Skies wherever you listen to podcasts. Jesters of Ravenloft is a new podcast being recorded on Twitch. It's D&D 5e, and we'd love to tell you about it, but we can't. Because seriously, the cast know nothing about what is going to happen. Adam McNamara is mystified. Del Borovic is baffled. Guy Bradford is bewildered. Tyler Hewitt is even more clueless than usual. And me, Ryan LaPlante, the DM, I'm the only person who knows what's going on. We're live on Twitch May 31st at 8.30 p.m. EST. And every Friday after our Wednesday night shows, we'll be dropping two episodes of Jesters of Ravenloft here. So get ready, subscribe, and soon you will be journeying into Ravenloft alongside our Jesters. Oh yeah, don't tell them about the whole Ravenloft thing. They really know nothing.